Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune, covering breaking news and current events as it pertains to Bible prophecy. In effect, chronicling the coming of Christ the King. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune. This January the 6th, 2018, our very first broadcast for this year. Let us consider the anniversary that's going to take place 48 hours from now. It's been 40 years since the spark that began the Iranian Revolution. That occurred on January the 8th, 1978. Ladies and gentlemen, don't you realize the Bible has a whole lot to say about 40 years. I do hope you remember that. Well, let's get this show on the road, shall we? You're going to pull those pistols and whistle Dixie. Let's ride.
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this week's edition of the End Time Tribune. It would seem that I am going solo. Uh, this is incredibly uh, important, everything the dates. Oh, there we go. Brian is on the switchboard now. You know, Brian, you just sent me this. Um, absolutely amazing. Um, did you... When did you find this article that this was the 40-year anniversary for the Iranian uh, revolution? And let did well we 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 just talked about this uh, as we speak right now. Um, the sign of war. Um, is in conjunction with the sign of the Son of Man. Um, I'm not. I'm not prepared to talk about that, Brian. But uh, because I just turned my Skype on, so I just got your message. So I have no idea when you, when you sent it to me. But this has caught me a little bit by surprise. That uh, I mean, I'm not sure why you didn't share this. Um, on the other broadcast that we did this week, I just uh, just didn't realize that the anniversary is going to be here in two days. Uh, that just blows me away. Your your thoughts on that, Bry? Why didn't you share that before? I guess because it just posted after we got off air. It posted after we got off air. That's right, because yep. they're on the other side of the planet. Uh, that's right, they're on the other side of the planet. Um, Brian, why don't you just tell us um, what you have found out about what happened in 1978. Um, any possible involvement from exterior sources, the whole nine yard. Why don't you just uh, tell us about what you know about that revolution in Iran in 1978? Well, I mean, first you had the uh, Mohammad Reza Shah uh, Palav had decided to, the big no-no, which always ends up leading to trouble anywhere it happens, is he decided to attempt to nationalize the oil. And as soon as that went down, all of a sudden rumblings went on behind the scenes to start pushing the Ayatollahs into place. Um, so obviously, you had uh, external factors going on between Britain, France, and the United States at this point in time. Uh, like I brought up yesterday, uh, just like had happened in the last couple of days, um, the uh, oil fields went on strike, which therefore started, um, obviously, problems with the economic um, standing for Iran and for that uh, specific uh, leader and regime. Once they put that into effect, it started massive trouble, and it really began to bring about his fall. Now, he fled out of there. I believe he went over to Sadat in Egypt first, and then he came over to America. He had cancer at the time anyways, which his uh, lifespan, by the looks of things, were getting pretty short. But nonetheless, um, 
he flat out made the comment to reporters that it was full well apparent that America was done with him and it was just, it was a game over. So, I mean, that's kind of summarizing a little bit of what I can pull off the top of my head here quickly. Well, I went straight to news sources for this one and I don't like what I see. Um, The article you sent me was actually wrong. Um, the article that appeared in the Atela At newspaper that said that uh, the Khomeini was a British agent, that was on January the 7th. It was on January the 7th that article was released. So it was the next day that after everybody had read this article. Uh, well, we need to remember time zones and all that stuff too. So, no, no, this, no, that, that, that's why I. Well, it, it, it took me a few minutes, but yes, I translated this from the Arabic. The article appeared their time in their newspaper on January the seventh, and everybody found out about it, read it, so the revolution took place the next day. But everybody read the article that had been published. So the history is correct in this in this news article that you sent me that the revolution started on the eighth because everybody had read about it on the seventh. And now well, here exactly forty years. Down, it was... oh, go ahead. And now here forty years later. Oh. Uh, well, Brian, Iran is is in the middle of protest all over the country, and uh, we've got a major sign in the heavens occurring at the exact same time. And this really does bother me. Um, I haven't had time to obviously investigate this. Um, so was there any proof procured uh, that he was in fact a, a a British agent or a British stooge? I don't know if we can point our fingers at Britain. At that point in time, Iran had gotten so used to Britain's meddling in their affairs, obviously, when the Shah was put into place in the first time, that was due to the fact that there was a, a change. Oil deal was up between um, Britain and Iran because when they first found those oil fields in there, Britain dove in during their colonialism period and basically put into writing that they get um, about 90 percent of their resources at the time. Uh, mass amounts of money and all this out of it, and they had obviously an expiration date, and when they refused to sign it, um, the next time the contract came up, that's when they put Reza Shah um, into place, uh, or, you know, Pavlev. They put him into place after that deal started to fall through. So they had gotten accustomed to the fact that the British were in there meddling in their affairs continually, especially concerning the oil. So as far as the Ayatollah being a British agent, 
it's it's possible. Um, you know, France had its hand in that mess, and so did the United States. So there's not really much escaping the factor that multiple Western nations were involved in that. And you'll see almost no mention of that in most sources, but the most, um, you know, the major piece of evidence is what came out of Reza Shah's mouth after he was ousted, just the fact alone that he knew they were done with him. Wow. Uh, man, this is, this is off the charts. Um, I was just absolutely not prepared to talk about this. Uh, oh, my goodness. Um, let, let me say this. Um, I was... a question how would we would know that peace had been taken from the earth my my response today was this you won't because this in uh, this will entail in the beginning the the disintegration of cooperation between the intelligence agencies that's where you'll see it and then they turned around and sent me back the article. Do you know anything that's been happening with this Trump investigation? And I said, well, yeah, we've we've talked about it. And we we know what's going on. And then they pushed me. Well, do you know about Christopher Steele? I have no idea. And obviously, they knew that I really didn't care what was going on. But they said, well, you had no idea that he was a British agent. And I said, well, you're, you're going to have to get me proof of that. Well, immediately re- returned an email with the link in it, and right here it is. Uh, th- this is just off the charts. This is this has ma- been published in mainstream news sources that... Um, The full mill deal. Um, Fusion GPS, uh, the company that hired this British agent, uh, had been started uh, by three people from the Wall Street Journal. And, and I'm reading through this, and I can't believe what I'm reading because, ladies and gentlemen, there was a time when this would have been an act of war. A foreign intelligence agent over here investigating a presidential candidate didn't matter who the candidate was. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is where you're going to see it first. Uh, the intelligence agencies will break ties with each other. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, you, you you have to really understand that it really is to everybody's benefit if criminals get caught, okay? That's why um, uh, the British intelligence agencies works with the 
German intelligence agencies and they work with the American intelligence agencies and they work with the French intelligence agencies and they work with the uh, you know Italian intelligence agencies. This keeps a lot of major criminal activity from happening. I mean, that's actually what it's supposed to do. That's that's what it's for. And that's where you need to look for things going awry. That's how you'll know. That's that's the only way you'll know when peace is taken from the earth. Uh, the intelligence agencies will no longer sh share information. But it just blows me away that this is absolutely private from that even was started by the Wall Street Journal. I mean, oh my goodness. The corruption is this blatant and out in the open? I mean, ladies and gentlemen, how did Fusion GPS even know how to get in contact with a British intelligence agent. That doesn't raise all kind of red flags for you? So, you know, I'm sorry for kind of dropping the ball on this. I, 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 had, I hadn't put two and two together because it really don't... really doesn't matter because Brian and I have talked about this before. There's... <laughs> There's so much garbage from the alt-left and the alt-right. Uh, well, it's like trying to walk through disaster zone. You don't know what's true and what's not. So I've basically just kept away from it and, you know, expect the worst to be done. But I had no idea that I was going to send this response today and, and find out that this Christopher Steele was actually a British agent. And uh, By the way, everybody knows about it. He was getting paid by a private firm. And, and by the way, it's even better that the private firm was started by the mainstream media. And this doesn't bother anybody. Okay, so I guess uh, I guess if you're an executive at the Wall Street Journal, you're just above the law, you can... Uh, pay foreign agents to uh, spy on presidential candidates or, I don't know, uh, United States senators or... That's legal now, I guess. I mean, th this brings the, the simple fact that uh, fake news is a real term. Oh my goodness, this makes it frightening, frighteningly real. I mean, here's their names right out in the public. Everybody knows the three gentlemen from the Wall Street Journal that started this Fusion GPS. Do you know what would have happened if this would have happened to, I don't know, the president in, I don't know, the 50s? I mean, surely you do. Surely you understand that if the British would have got busted uh, in the middle of a presidential election, well, 
Great Britain would have trembled. Because Americans wouldn't have put up with that crap. Not even a little bit. So... <laughs> wow. Um, you know, this... This this bothers me too. Um, this was this was just released. Whistleblower guardian for spies escorted out of intelligence agency building. Um, the chairman of the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee is demanding to know why an employee in charge of whistleblower outreach was removed from his workplace pending a tribunal for real. For real? Uh, does everybody know what we have on some major politicians right now? And this poor employee's going to face a tribunal. Really? I mean, what happened to all the money that was supposed to go to, I don't know, Haiti? Remember the earthquake there? But, um... The executive director of intelligence community whistleblowing and source protection. Okay? So he is the director set up to make sure that uh, people come out and tell the truth and whistleblow, um, you know, people don't do bad things to them for coming out and telling the truth. Um he was placed on administrative leave and escorted out of his office pending <laughs> um, the intelligence community inspector general was tasked with conducting audits across the intelligence agencies and independently responding to whistleblower retaliation complaints now the watchdog office has been involved in independent reviews of the Boston Marathon bombing, as well as former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton's use of private email server. Oh, that's just the beginning of our problems. So, you don't realize that this one gentleman should have... I, I don't know. I don't know how to describe this. It, if this isn't alarming to you that the people that is supposed to protect us from retribution... If we come out and tell the truth that something wrong's going on, uh, they're escorting him out, and he's going to have to face a tribunal? Really? Really? I mean, what? What about all the congressmen that should be in front of tribunals right now? Uh, the senators. I don't know. You could. I'm sure the intelligence agencies um, are full well aware of how much money they've taken underneath the table from special interests and lobbying groups to vote a certain way or another. Because, you know, it's not just random that Republicans will vote Democrat and Democrats will just vote Republican. That's not random. That's paid for. And, like, everybody knows it. And nobody has to face tribunals. But yet the person that's supposed to protect people from retribution 
He's facing a tribunal. And I guess nobody cares. I guess. Um, I mean, the big question is, <laughs> uh, why isn't Fusion GPS, all the executives in that organization, locked up right now? Getting ready to face a Senate <laughs> inquiry into why they were meddling in a presidential election. Well, I'll tell you why, because that's not in the senator's best interest to do, is it? I guess that means they're not senators. That's what it means. Well, I mean, we know what it means. We know what it is. It is a kleptocracy, is what it is. Duh. That's what it is. But uh, we're getting great big holes in the dikes. Huge holes in the dikes, ladies and gentlemen. This this whole kleptocracy is crumbling because uh, now we're not just hanging foreign powers out to dry. Now we're in the process currently of just hanging all of our allies out to dry as well. Brian, you're... you're uh, your thoughts and comments. Well, the infamous Steele dossier that you brought up, I've known about that since its rumblings were first brought into the public arena. Um, his Fusion GPS had hired him early, um, even prior to the election is when the investigation itself had began. Um, and this is due to the fact that obviously multiple people were concerned about his his connections to um, well, you know, I've said it before and I'll say it again. It was not Putin that they were worried about the connections to. It was the oligarchs and other corrupt businessmen associated with various areas within Russia, and that's why they had hired an ex intelligence agent to do this work. Now, this is not the first time that Britain and America have been doing the intelligence fiasco back and forth and back and forth because early on, even in the stages just coming out of World War II, the NSA and FBI had things set up where they had British intelligence was listening in on two people, um, People with pretty much everybody in the government was bugged by Hoover at that time, as a matter of fact. And all the intelligence was being recorded by British intelligence agencies, turned around, um, turned into obviously documents, and sent back to the United States so that they couldn't get caught for spying on their own citizens. So, this, uh, as far as I'm concerned, with foreign intelligence agencies, especially Britain, now, sticking its nose where it doesn't belong in American affairs, that's old news. This has been going on for a long time. So it, with me, it didn't set off any alarms at all. And, I mean, to wrap this back around, you were asked the question that initially led to this, how are we going to know when peace is taken from the earth? Well, I think it's time we hit the rewind button because there – 
we have to remember some of the things that are stated concerning the prophecies involved here. And if you uh, take Matthew 24, you align that with Revelation 6. But we can't forget that it's speaking of a generation. And if we go exactly with the Genesis 6 definition of 120 years, folks, you got to remember that starting at World War I, peace was taken from the earth. Hit the fast-forward button, World War II. But here's the thing. Matthew and I have brought this up time and time and time again. We have been in a perpetual state of war ever since the first shots were fired in World War I. It has never calmed down anywhere on the earth since then. So how do we, how do we look at that exact factor here? Well, folks, it's, things have already been brewing, we, you know, wars and rumors of wars. We've had that all taking place. Now, how do I put this? We've talked about this, the white rider nationalism. The red rider or the craftsman. Socialism is the easiest one to see in the midst of this. What would you have to say, folks, if you realize that two days after, let's, if we had a possibility of a seal being broken two days later, two days after the inauguration of this current commander-in-chief, who, it's beyond, there's no questions anymore now about the fact that he is a blatant nationalist. Okay, that's, that's not even on the table anymore. That's not even up for debate nor argument. What would you say if the next one came around to uh, when the protests happened in Charlottesville and the day that that woman was run down by a neo-Nazi and two policemen were killed as well that day? Everybody remember what the commander-in-chief did that day? There was good people on both sides. The further he spoke about it, the more he stuck his foot in his mouth. Literally, he came to the defense of neo-Nazis. I'm sure nobody's forgotten that. Now, what what would you say if you had two mega slapping you in the face signs like that? Just maybe food for thought. A scary thought. I mean, food for scary thought. Uh, well, Bri, um... Absolutely off the charts. Are you are you ready to cover some of your news, Brian? Well, I'm slowly going through and just looking at stuff again, refreshing my mind over the last week. I mean, I will make mention of some little odds and ends for the time here. Iran is very difficult to trace right now concerning these protests because you have... Um, reports that are coming out of Iran itself stating that the protests have basically cooled down, simmered down, and come down to an end. Uh, but it's near impossible to get any kind of information whatsoever that's reliable because obviously they've clamped down on the internet, social media, and just a complete and absolute blockade on any press coming out at all if there is indeed even any kind of protest still happening. So everybody's kind of sitting in the dark in this. 
Now, some things that had, uh, let me see if I managed to get those up yet. No, I have not, so I can't really say anything about those at the moment. So I was just getting all my different pages up here, so you have to give me a little bit more time before I can comment more fully on that. Um, I did want to add one thing in, too, because you didn't – I don't know if you caught this one either. Um, we were talking on air about this on uh, one of the shows, I believe it was uh, Thursday night, about how would China react to all of what's been happening here with the attempted meddling on the different places along the One Belt, One Road? Would they be pushed to war? Now, this is no joke, folks. This came out – Minutes, within minutes of us getting off air. Don't fear death. China's Z urges blunt call to PLA. The military in China, essentially, folks. It was telling them, get ready for war. I couldn't even believe it when I read it. Because this, like I said, we were asking that question, would they be pushed to war? Sure enough. Within minutes of us getting off air, here's this article. That's just, it's just nuts that this would be happening within minutes of us getting off the air. That's just, that's just flat crazy. Um, well, ladies and gentlemen, you know. Let's talk about the retail apocalypse. Right out of the gates this year, we've got 21 big retailers closing stores. This is getting catastrophic. I just saw an article that was posted that how many jobs were added in in December, and that was just a flat joke. It was just a flat joke, but this is just getting catastrophic, the amount of closings that we have going on. I mean, where are all the high school graduates supposed to get jobs from last year? I mean, really. But, you know, it <laughs> just came out that 30% of all U.S. households had either zero or negative net worth. 30%. I mean, oh my goodness. I mean… These statistics, I mean, have huge implications for the economy since, ladies and gentlemen, it, it is the regular Americans, not the wealthy people who drive the economy. It, and everybody knows that. And this is just getting more and more and more catastrophic. Um let's let's talk about this. 
I went straight to the insurance sources to get this information. This is from the Insurance Journal, January the 4th. Natural catastrophe claims in 2017 reached 135 billion. I mean, oh my goodness. Um, the insurance industry will pay, will pay record claims of $135 billion from last year's spat of natural catastrophes, according to a report published by Munich Re. Further, Hurricanes Harvey, Irma, and Maria, the Mexican earthquakes and wildfires in California created overall economic losses, which include uninsured losses of $330 billion. Oh my goodness. Um, the report said the second highest figure ever recorded for natural disasters was uh, in 2011 when the earthquake in Japan and floods in Thailand uh, contributed to overall losses of $354 billion in today's dollars. Uh, the overall loss figure of $330 billion for all types of natural disasters – it was almost double the 10-year inflation-adjusted average. It, it, it noted that insured losses were almost three times higher than the average. Um, in this report, 710 natural catastrophes, uh, which was significantly higher than the average of 605, was noted. The U.S. share of losses in 2017 was even larger than usual, 50% compared to long-term average of 32% when considering North America as a whole. We share uh, the rise to 83%. Ladies and gentlemen, um, I don't know if you understood what that just said, but our average percent – for natural catastrophes right where it should be, 32%. So, <laughs> because we are one-third of the earth, by the way, the new world is one-third of the earth. But, Putting two and two and two and two and two together, it is staggering what is occurring in our country right now. It's just absolutely mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. It, <laughs> I got a kick out of this one. Historic bomb cyclone unleashes blizzard conditions from coastal Virginia to New England. Frigid air to follow. I got a kick out of this. What's a bomb cyclone? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I took meteorology in an institution of higher learning. What's a bomb cyclone? Uh... 
the storm pressure tanked 53 millibars in 21 hours. Oh my goodness. 59 in 24 hours. Which puts it into the upper echelon of the most explosive East Coast storms ever observed. You think? Uh, uh, really? Um, maybe everybody don't 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 know a whole lot about barometric pressure. I guess, but you know, a storm is classified as such if it falls twenty four millibars in twenty four hours. When it does more than double that, ladies and gentlemen, that's that's not that's not normal, okay? No matter what anybody might tell you, uh, I got a kick out of this article because it 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 noted that well somebody was shocked. <laughs> they called it. Uh, <laughs> As the storm blossomed Wednesday and early Thursday with thunderstorms erupting around the coma-shaped center, forecasters expect, expressed pure awe at the meteorological marvel. Jaw meet floor, tweeted Sam Lillo, the meteorology Ph.D. student. Uh, the st storm expanded over enormous territory even drawing moisture from deep in the Caribbean. Uh, yeah? I mean, when I saw the barometric pressure dive like that, I'm like, well, that's a good thing to call it. Call it a bomb. I mean, when you drop more than 24 in 24, when you double that, uh... And it's just amazing that this didn't get very much coverage. Uh, <laughs> and I guess everything's normal. I guess, um, you know, I guess everything's all right. You know, I... I take note that uh, it's pretty bad when the Wall Street Journal comes out and this is the headline, Don't Trust Dow 25,000, The Economic Cycle is Broken. Uh, do you think? I mean, uh, in this article it's stating that um, it's a confusing cycle. Nothing seems to make sense. Uh, do you think? But yet, nobody's realizing uh, that the commodity-hungry China has ramped up prices since last year of those commodities across the manufacturing sector by 30%. Uh, <laughs> the economic data is confusing. Really? <laughs> I mean, some of this that's stated in this article is just off the charts, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, 
they're pretty well coming out and saying that you're clueless. If you don't see that we're in a world of hurt, I mean, oh my goodness. Uh, you know, we've got, uh, we got some serious problems, ladies and gentlemen. This is this is not going to get any better. Um, I mean, we've gotten to the point where we're killing so many babies that it's abortion and not birth control that's pushing the U.S. pregnancy rates down. Middlebury College professor says that infanticide had a bigger impact on declining family formation rates than the pill. How? Ladies and gentlemen, I thought ah, just about every woman took the pill. And oh my goodness, they're they're hiding it from you. They don't want you to know. They they don't want you to know that it, how many babies are being murdered by their mothers. Their mothers are paying doctors to suck them out of the womb with vacuum cleaners. And um, ladies and gentlemen, we got it coming. I mean, the Wall Street Journal was pretty blatant in an article. I mean, it's really kind of comical what it was saying about the economy. But when we've gotten to the point that what's actually setting the rate for pregnancy, uh, you know, family growth rates are being established by murdering mothers. Um, you should be worried because there's buckets of blood on your hands, every voter's hands, actually. It's on all of our hands. And the Lord God of heaven is, is pretty clear who has to stick up for them. He's, he's pretty clear that it's him.
So, I guess we've covered the gambit in 2017. All of our mothers have murdered as many babies as they could that God was knitting together in their own wombs, as well as strategically bombing as many places as we could that had civilians in them. So I guess we've covered the whole gambit this year. Uh, that's that's just staggering. I mean, when this article comes out and says that... Oh my goodness. Wow. The numbers that it has in this article is just... Uh, Well, the Lord our God should step in and stop it. It's, um... I, I, I don't know what it is. But I do know that... Everything is at the boiling point, ladies and gentlemen, across the board... Iran's at play. North Korea's at play. Now Iran is in play. Now we're cutting all of our trade deals. We're defunding the UN, whatever that means. Which they are all of our allies, right? If they're in the UN, they're obviously an ally of ours. And this doesn't have anybody worried, I guess. I got a feeling that something really bad is going to get everybody's attention here pretty soon. Brian, you got the mic until I can uh, get a break ready, okay? Give me, uh, oh, ten minutes. I'll try to put a break together for us. But until then, Brian, you got the mic. All right, then. Go through some of these stories in the order they came up in my browser. This usually, uh... We'll go from earlier in the week forward. Uh, I believe this was Monday night these reports started coming out. Uh, let me see here. The date was December 31st, so it would have been a uh, Sunday. Iran says two protesters were killed during uh, two protesters killed during the demonstrations were targeted by foreign agents. An Iranian official said two protesters. Previously reported killed in the city of Duran on Saturday night during anti-government demonstrations were targeted by foreign agents and not the police. Violent clashes broke out in the illegal demonstration in Duran on Saturday and unfortunately two people were killed. The deputy governor of Loristan province said in an interview on state television on Sunday, no shots were fired by the police 
and security forces, we have found evidence of enemies of the revolution, Takfiri uh, groups and foreign agents in the clash, he added. Uh, Kozapur did not explain the killings, but said security forces had not fired on the crowd. The goal for the pro was for the protest to end peacefully, but due to the presence of certain people and groups, unfortunately, this added happened. He added. And nonetheless, folks, now up to today, there's around the count that they suspect is about 22 dead. And some of this has been people that were fired on by Islamic Revolutionary Guard, some police forces, uh, so on and so forth. But the beginning shots being fired here by foreign agents is a little bit bothersome. Let's see here. This is a big one, and actually, I believe Matthew and Clinton both caught this before I did. Netanyahu's party approves resolution to annex West Bank and open settlements. 3,000-member committee can exert significant political pressure through the vote is said to be, though the vote is said to be non-binding. Netanyahu's uh, right-wing Likud party approved on Sunday evening a proposal requiring party members to to annex Judea and Samaria. Now, folks, if you recall, I had brought this up a few months ago that I had a sneaking suspicion that the right-wing Likud party and Netanyahu might pull something along these very lines. Um, with all of what we've been seeing going on here since the declaration of Jerusalem as the capital of Israel by Trump in the last couple of weeks, it's given this a little bit more steam in the way that I suspected this may end up playing out. But now, a declaration such as this, you can see that the Likud party has become very much more emboldened ever since that uh, announcement took place. Let's see here. Okay, Iranian-backed militia celebrates the U.S. defeat in Iraq. This came out of Kurdistan24.net. Erbil, uh, Kurdistan region, the head of Iranian-backed militia, Asiyab al-Ahak, recently called on the Iraqi government and parliament to review the United States military presence in the country. During a ceremony over the weekend marking the anniversary of victory and liberation, over the U.S. in Iraq, Kaz al-Khazili, head of the Asib al-Haq Shia militia, a faction within the Hashad al-Shabi, said defeating America in the country was a victory against the most powerful force in the world. We're honored to celebrate the sixth anniversary of the U.S. defeat, Khazali said while addressing supporters in Baghdad. The defeat of the occupier U.S. led to the restoration of Iraq's sovereignty, which the U.S. wanted to violate, he stated, adding, the Asab al-Haq inflicted damages to American troops without killing the innocent or relying on suicide bombings. He explained that the group's offensive forced Washington to create an alternative project by creating Islamic State as a 
reason to return to Iraq. The militia leader noted that it was the responsibility of the government and the parliament to review the real number of foreign troops in Iraq. We emphasize the need to review the presence of foreign troops that came to the country to assist Iraqi forces in the fight against Islamic State, he said. Meanwhile, another Iranian-backed militia, the Hezbollah Brigades, this week celebrated what they called the anniversary of the U.S. defeat in Iraq. The militia group called on U.S. troops to withdraw from the country and urged the Iraqi government and parliament to take a decisive position against American military presence in the country. The Hezbollah Brigades and Asab al-Haq among the leading factions in the Iranian-backed Shia Hashad al-Shabi militias were involved in dozens of attacks on U.S. troops, including the killing of American soldiers following the liberation of Iraq in 2003. So this is what's being stated on the ground in Iraq, folks. And I guess from their standpoint, they see this as a defeat, but... You know, I guess when we look at what the ultimate end game priority of America coming in and stirring up unrest between Iraq and Syria both was really to completely destabilize the region. Or need I remind everybody of the infamous Henry Kissinger policy? If you want to keep control over the world, you need to keep the entire Middle East destabilized at all times. I don't know. They went out of Kissinger's playbook here. It's. They've been following his policies. They've been following Brzezinski's, uh, people going back to the Nixon administration and forward, and they keep using these same playbooks. So I guess, you know, I guess it all depends on whose point of view you're looking at here. Now, has this caused the Shia and Iranian, um, well, aligned forces, not necessarily backed, even though a large amount of them appeared to be, have gained a major foothold throughout these regions. But then again, are we looking at, once again, them playing a little bit of a piece on the chessboard to set everything into the next move? Uh, We had uh, Marcone on Wednesday criticized Israel, the United States, and Saudi Arabia for encouraging the Iranian anti-regime protests saying the three countries could lead us to war. The official line pursued by the United States, Israel, and Saudi Arabia, who are our allies in many ways, is almost one that would lead us to war, Marcone said. Calling for a dialogue with the Islamic Republic, Marcone said France wanted to avoid rebuilding an axis of evil a reference to countries singled out by former U.S. President George Bush, including Iran, North Korea, and Iraq. Well, that, folks, go out and look at that list because they've destabilized all the other nations from the infamous axis of evil comment. (coughs) Excuse me. U.S. President Donald Trump has been supporting the Iran protesters in a series of tweets during a furious response from Tehran. Trump, who considers the Islamic Republic his enemy number one in the Middle East on Wednesday, promised unspecified support for Iranians trying to take back their government. I would keep note of that, folks, because if you can read between the lines, that is a very frightening statement. 
Benjamin Netanyahu praised the heroic demonstration demonstrators protesting against the crew regime in a YouTube video published on Monday. And we'll leave it with that in that article. But folks, within hours, in the first, I believe it was up to two days, for Pete's sakes, Trump's Twitter account literally was doing more saber-rattling than you can shake a stick at at this point. He... And they've gone in and since backed it up. He made threats against Pakistan. Um, they've pulled financial funding. They've put them on religious freedom watch list now and all sorts of other insanity. Making matters worse, uh, Kim Jong-un came out and said, I have a nuclear button on my desk ready to press at any time now. Trump turned around and said, my button is bigger and I have more nuclear weapons, basically along those lines. Then on top of it, the Iranian comments. Well, in the last couple of days, about all you're seeing, I kid you not, I pulled up just my Reuters app on my iPad today. The entire United States news feed, and it's not... Actually, two programs. My Feedly program as well. The only thing up for debate right now is the president's mental state. I, I got to tread the line carefully here, but I think they should have been asking that question a heck of a lot longer and much earlier than they did. But nonetheless, that's all that's saturating the news here in the United States, and it's gotten to the point where it's just back to absolute ridiculousness. They love to completely and absolutely just throw the veil over everything. Do this last one here, hoping that Matthew's got a break ready. Iran protests spur tensions between Trump admin and Europe. Tensions are brewing between the U.S. and Europe over how the international community should address the deadly protests in Iran. Several diplomats and Trump administration officials told CNN. While the U.S. and its European partners, including the United Kingdom, France, Germany, all fundamentally support the right of Iranian demonstrators to peacefully protest, they disagree in their analysis of where the situation on the ground is headed and over the strategic value of ramping up rhetoric, publicity, uh, publicly, sources said. The Trump administration, meanwhile, has gone all in with its very vocal support of the demonstrators and harsh condemnation of the Iranian government. Now, folks, um, Friday... The UN, the infamous uh, neocon war hawk Nikki Haley went out of her way to try to call a UN meeting in support of the protests in Iran, which is literally off the charts. That When have you ever seen that done? Did we see that happen during the Arab Spring? Do we see that ever happen? You know, like one person had brought up on the social networks this week, how about... Um, why didn't we have that at the U.N. in support of the Occupy protest in the United States? Folks, that's unprecedented, off-the-charts meddling in foreign affairs on a scale that is just unbelievable. Russia came out in direct rebuke of these actions. You know, they were literally blown away that the United States had the audacity to pull a stunt like this. 
But then on top of it, when they did have the U.N. security meeting, once again, they got slapped in the face even more so. Because what it turned into was basically all these other nations saying, you people are nuts for trying to take the nuclear peace accords off the table. Because they know ultimately that's where this is leading. And Trump's, um, essentially his decision on what he's going to do with those nuclear peace accords comes up later in this month. So just bizarre stuff playing out here. And the UN just seems to be the stomping ground for all kinds of insanity over the course of the last two weeks here now. But uh, you got that uh, break there ready, Matthew? Yep, let's do it. We'll be back in seven minutes, 12 seconds, ladies and gentlemen. This is Reawaken Hymns. Upon the tree, 
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the End Time Tribune. It's January the 6th, 2018. Brian, the feel 
what I've got from everything that you've said so far is just I don't know how to put it to people that they need to get their house in order. Um, they really need to get their house in order. Brian, the mic is yours. I'd agree. I would not know any other way to state it. Let's see here. Now, my next article here. France. Israeli U.S. rhetoric on Iran will lead us to war. I'm going to leave that one off for the time being. I think I read that before. Um, This is a rather long article. I'm not really going to go into too much here. This is... uh, from uh, ZenHuanNet.com, Urander Middle East power struggle threatens shaky peace in post-IS phase, Islamic State phase. And this article goes on to describe everything that is currently happening right now as we speak within the Middle East, as the situation in Iraq seems to be calming down, at least on a certain level. We still have things going on with the Syrian crisis between um, talks or no. They're trying to continue with the talks in the Sochi talks between Russia, Turkey, and Iran. And then obviously Geneva is trying to have their own talks. We have Erdogan last week who obviously said Bashar al-Assad cannot stay in power. And, of course, that's no different than the uh, Western nations, mainly the United States, saying the same thing. Obviously, Saudi Arabia and the Arabian nations had a key element with wanting al-Assad out of the way because of his uh, rather peculiar Islamic uh, belief system that he follows after that pretty much nobody knows anything about whatsoever. Good luck in finding any information about the version of Islam that is followed there. Um, One of the things that comes up here, though, and the reason I pulled this uh, article up is I was looking at things still going on with uh, the Kurds in the Middle East. And uh, partway down this article is a subheading of Trigger for New Crisis. In a region already filled with conflicts, including a sectarian one between Iran and Saudi Arabia, the Kurdish independence movement may provide another excuse for regional and international powers to intervene. The Kurds, most of whom live in Turkey, Iran, Iraq, and Syria, have been consolidating their territory during battles with the Islamic State as a step to statehood a goal they have been pursuing since a century ago. It is also a goal seen by the four countries, especially Turkey, as an imminent threat to their own territorial integrity. Turkey and Iran share a similar goal to prevent the establishment of an independent Kurdish state on their common border, as well as fighting Kurdish insurgent parties, which they believe have bases in the Kurdish autonomous region in northern Iraq and Syria. Uh, Iraqi political analysis Nadim al-Jubori said, In September, the Kurdish autonomous region in Iraq held a referendum with more than 90% votes cast in favor of independence. 
The result angered Baghdad and almost all stakeholders in the Middle East that want to maintain the balance of power. There are catastrophic consequences for the Kurdish region after the referendum as the Kurds lost much of their gains since 1991. One of the losses was the resignation of Kurdish leader Masoud Barzani in November 2017. Fearing that the separatist sentiment of the Kurds in Syria could infiltrate Turkey, inspiring millions of Kurds living there to seek independence, Ankara is striving to address the problem and protect its territorial integrity in the post-Islamic state period. Russia, on the other hand, has delicately kept the balance of power with various countries and factions by fostering peace talks, obtaining as much support as possible to cement its interests in the region. According to Denari, uh, given Washington's stance against the Kurdish independence referendum in Iraq, it will possibly give up on the Kurds in Syria in exchange for broad interest or any chance to spoil the plans of its rival, especially Russia and Iran. Since uh, Donald Trump was sworn in in January, he has threatened to scrap a nuclear deal struck between Iran and six world powers, including his own country. Though the pact is widely seen as being conducive to regional pace and stability, Trump made an unexpected decision to pick Saudi Arabia and Israel as his first overseas visit designations after assuming the presidency, revealing his ambition to improve Israel-Arab relations to forge an alliance against Iran. However, his controversial decision to recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital may jeopardize the interest of his allies and further endanger the balance of power in the region. Closer and more open coordination between Israel and Saudi Arabia can be seen as a signal of increasing military pressure over the proxies of Iran throughout the Middle East. The perspective of Israel is clear. It sees Iran and its proxies as a threat of priority. Saudi Arabia shares the same feelings in this context. Turkey may take a stand open to changeable positions on an issue-by-issue basis, he added. Well, I've said this over the last few years. Turkey plays whatever side of the fence benefits them most. And that's really what that is pretty much paraphrasing. Now we had uh, Britain's defense secretary came out and stated on the 5th, war against Islamic State is in a new phase. From Baghdad, Britain's Defense Secretary Gavin Williamson has warned that dangers from the Islamic group state are far from over, despite its defeat in Iraq. Williamson says the fight now enters a new phase and expressed his government's commitment to continue working with the U.S.-led coalition to hunt down remaining Islamic State fighters in Syria and elsewhere. He spoke at a press conference In Baghdad on Thursday, he signed a statement of intent for 10 million British pounds investment in Iraq's counterterrorism capacities. Williamson said his government is determined to win the war online, preventing Islamic State viral propaganda from recruiting yet more fanatical fighters. Last month, Iraq declared the defeat Islamic State after more than three years of 
since fighting against extremists in northern and western Iraq. And he's indeed correct as far as Islamic State is concerned. They have not disappeared yet, folks. They are still they're cropping up in larger numbers in Afghanistan and in the Sinai Peninsula uh, in Egypt. So, no, they have not completely disappeared off the radar. And, you know, the moment everybody starts thinking they did, they'll probably just pop up again in more numbers. We had an interesting little one come out here on the 4th. Angola joins long list of oil nations in ditching the dollar peg. Angola is poised to become the latest emerging nation to abandon its currency peg as it seeks to rescue an economy still reeling from the oil price crash four years ago. The Southern African nation and OPEC members said that this week it would let the Kwanzaa trade within a new ban. The rate at which it has been fixed against the dollar since April 2016 does not reflect the truth, according to Jose Masano, who became central bank governor in late October. It joins a long list of commodity exporters from Russia to Egypt, Kazakhstan, Nigeria, and Uzbekistan that have floated or devalued currencies in a bid to end crippling shortages on foreign exchange and revive economic growth. So uh, one more nation now, folks, that has done this. I think I'll bring that one up a little bit later. Well, I'll make mention of it, folks, because I'm not going to go into too much detail on this. Look up the article and read it. This is, once again, uh, Strategic Culture Foundation. They seem to report on a lot of uh, interesting pieces that do not really get covered by most mainstream news sources. And with each article, make sure you go in and double-check to see who the author is and check out their credentials, etc., to at least make certain because they do post some things from outside sources at times and every now and then you'll stumble on uh, an interesting source that has no idea what they're talking about. But nonetheless, this article is Four Years of Ukraine and the Myths of Maidan. And that would be the protest that happened in Maidan in 2014 that kicked everything off with the Ukrainian crisis. Now, most notably in here, I've spoken about Paul Manafort time and time again and about the fact that his connection, his meddling, so on and so forth, had nothing to do with Russia. And in here, this article is just one more amongst a billion out there that basically proves that he was working in the West interest and to make matters even worse. President Ukraine Yakunovic on top of it, was not pro-Kremlin. They were tilted toward the West and the EU. This whole thing has just been blown out of proportion, and the disinformation we've been getting here in the United States is utterly and completely ridiculous. So I would look into that. <clears throat> okay, excuse me again. Okay, this article came out uh, earlier today. Is Turkey setting up a naval base on the Red Sea? The Middle East is in chaos, but apparently it's not enough to stop regional powers in their ruthless fight for a hegemony. While Iran has taken the world's attention, Turkey is stealthily pursuing its goals 
of developing a military and intelligent infrastructure on the Red Sea. It has already deployed troops in Qatar to support the embattled emirate in its conflict with the Gulf states and Egypt, a conflict that is effectively preventing the revival of a group of pragmatic Sunni states against Iranian incitement that U.S. President Donald Trump has hoped to bring about during his visit to Riyadh in April. And then this goes on to explain a whole lot more concerning this uh, situation here. Um, Let's see here. I'm just checking the last uh, couple of paragraphs here. And the article, that was interesting. All right, I'll just uh, grab the last couple of paragraphs here. In aligning itself with Qatar, Turkey is effectively blocking the formation of an anti-Iranian front in the Gulf. Its military cooperation agreement along the Red Sea and Somalia and Sudan are a direct threat not only to Egypt but also to Israel, whose vessels and planes transit through the sea on their way to Asia and Africa. This is a dangerous situation adding already to the volatile mix in the Middle East. Syria, Iraq, Yemen are in ruins, but apparently it is not enough to stop regional powers in their ruthless fight for hegemony. There's also mention here as well that this specific island that Turkey is after was part of the Ottoman Empire. And folks, I would take a look at, there's a great big article that came out in Daily Sabah from uh, the Turkey news source concerning Neo-Ottoman, the Neo-Ottomans, and it is quite a read, so I would advise looking that up as well. Okay, I, I, this one I just had to bring up because, well, we're looking for a certain set, set of events to start building up here at some point in spring this year. Sudanese police scatter protests sparked by bread price hike. Sudanese police fired tear gas on Saturday to disperse some 400 demonstrators who marched through the city of Sanar to protest a against a hike in bread prices, eyewitnesses told Reuters. There was no immediate report of deaths or injuries. Bread prices in Sudan have doubled since the government eliminated subsidies this week under its 2018 budget. The price of a loaf of bread rose from 0.5 Sudanese pounds to one pound, the bakery's union said on Friday after the prices of wheat flour rose. We are protesting today against the rise in bread prices and we call on the government to scrap it. Nonetheless, folks, this goes on to explain as well what's going on with their oil and it being basically stolen, which is pretty much standard policy. Western nations roll into these poor nations and just take their resources. Another article that was released today, Arab League to lobby the UN to recognize Palestinian state. Amman, Jordan. Arab states will soon embark on a diplomatic drive to persuade the United Nations to recognize a Palestinian state 
with East Jerusalem as its capital on territory captured by Israel in the 1967 war, Jordan's foreign minister, Ayman Safadi, said. Six Arab foreign ministers met in Amman on Saturday to follow up in an earlier decisions taken by the Arab League to counter U.S. President Donald Trump's move in December to recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital, a decision that overturned decades of U.S. policy in the Middle East. A committee made up of Egypt, Morocco, Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, the Palestinians, and headed by Jordan, was set up after an emergency meeting of the Arab League in Cairo shortly after Trump's decision that called on Washington to abandon its decision. The Arab League said at the time the move would spur violence throughout the region and described Trump's announcement as a dangerous violation of international law which had no legal impact. Folks, this article right here, I'd pay attention to this. Those nations named start thinking of where that is in the Bible and prophecy. Uh, And this is a big one. One that really had me pondering even more so. The KRG rejects Iran accusations that anti-government protests have been staged from Erbil by the CIA. The Kurdistan regional government has rejected an accusation made by a senior Iranian official who blamed recent deadly protests in the country on a U.S.-sponsored intelligence operation stage from the Kurdish capital of Erbil in cooperation with the Barzanis and various Iranian opposition parties. We reject the baseless accusation, the KRG spokesman said in a statement Saturday evening. Okay. Pay attention to this. Okay, that's not the spot. I'm trying to find out where this is at in here. Okay. Rezi, the Iranian official, claimed that the alleged U.S.-sponsored operation was planned in three stages. Staging protests across the country in such a way that the Iranian government will lose control over the urban areas, followed by armed conflict to be instigated by MEK fighters inside Iran. MEK, folks, how many times have I brought them up now? They're also known as the National Council for Resistance Against Iran. And finally, the United States to use the chaos caused to justify humanitarian-related sanctions against the Iranian government through the UN Security Council, which nine times out of ten, next step is, folks, that leads to an invasion. Had another uh, 
story come out here. Iran blames CIA for week of protest. U.S., of course, denies any role. This one is uh, rather lengthy. Here's one that came out of the Independent. Why is Trump's man in Iran, Michael D. Andrea, missing from conversations about the protest? Isn't the man in charge of CIA's Iran operation taking a serious interest in the latest events in Iran? Surely he is. That's his job, isn't it? But why the silence? Once again, go out and find this article. Very lengthy, not going to go into it. Newsweek, uh, Iran protests who are the Iranian opposition and who will rule if the regime fails. This one's got all sorts of stuff. Some people have been calling for a return of the Shah's monarchy and uh, most notably the crown prince of Iran, Reza Pahlavi, who fled Iran with his father, Mohammad Reza Pahlavi, the former Shah, has seized upon what appears to be at least some support for his return. Speaking to BBC Radio 4, the prince suggested a form of constitutional monarchy would offer stability in Iran following the collapse of the Islamic Republic. Who then do you think the people are chanting for today? I think they realize I am a person they can trust, a person they can recognize that has a particular political capital association with his name. They attributed to the modernity and progress Iran had, he said. Crown Prince has said he is not a monarchist and instead a Democrat, but he ruled out returning to Iran until his safety could be assured. Oh, boy. They go on to bring up the Green Movement. It doesn't really get brought up too much, but who do we got come up again here at the bottom of the article? Mujahideen E. Kauk, or the MEK, or the People's Mujahideen Organization of Iran has proven popular with many in the corridors of power in Washington and in European capitals. The MEK has found supporters in the GOP from backers like Rudy Giuliani, Newt Gingrich, but also from Democratic figures such as Florida Governor Howard Dean. In January 2017, Reuters reported the group's backers asked Donald Trump to open dialogue with the MEK. While many in Washington may support the group in its ambition to overthrow the regime in Iran, it has courted controversy since the 1970s. The MEK supported Ayatollah Rullah Khomeini pursuing a a guerrilla war against the Shah, but then parted ways with the revolution in 1981, vowing to topple the Islamic Republic from 1997 to 2012. And after the group formed an alliance with Saddam Hussein, the MEK was designated a terrorist group by the State Department. Well, folks, on top of it, they also fought with Iraq against Iran in the Iraqi-Iranian War throughout much of the 80s, which is not, of course, in this article. You almost never see that brought up. 
During this week's protest, Mariam Rajabi, MEK's leader, pledged her solidarity with the demonstrators, saying in a statement to Newsweek, the uprising has told the death knell for the overthrow of the totally corrupt dictatorship of the mullahs, mullahs and in the rise of democracy, justice, and popular sovereignty. Some of the MEK's banners have been seen at demonstrations in Iran, but the group remains deeply divisive inside the country. It also remains the perpetual boogeyman of the regime. Iranian state television reported Friday, according to the Associated Press, that three MEK members were arrested 185 miles southwest of Tehran for engaging in sabotage. And I brought this up briefly, an article out of Bloomberg Politics. uh, Nikki Haley's Iran session at UN prompts envoys to defend the UN to defend the uh, nuclear deal. UK and France say they remain committed to the nuclear accord. Meeting comes one week before Trump's decision on the sanctions. Let's see here. This one is rather interesting. It has sources are a little bit shaky, but it could be the case. Report ex-Iranian president for ex-Iranian president Aminadinejad arrested for inciting unrest. According to the Arab paper, former leaders' comments against Rouhani government amid rallies have led authorities to seek to place him under house arrest. And everybody, you need to remember he was one of the uh, people that was involved with the hostage crisis in Iran. He was one of the uh, hostage takers there in the overthrow. So his uh, him being involved in revolts against corruption of this sort of thing happening, so on and so forth, he's got a bit of a track record in that department. So, yeah, throughout the week they've already been bringing up to keep an eye on him anyways. Yesterday... 11 Saudi princes arrested after protest against you against utility bill suspension. Um, basically, a thing has been written into their uh, new bills that no longer will Saudi Arabia be footing the bills of all the different princes. There's literally thousands of the princes. I can kind of see and um, at least understand where they're coming from here when the government of Saudi Arabia is in massive trouble. They almost declared bankruptcy years back, folks, and almost nobody even talked about it whatsoever. But nonetheless, once more, Ben Salman, they've arrested 11 more princes now. Let's see here. China mediates between Pakistan and Afghanistan. Seeking to bridge the divide between Pakistan and Afghanistan, the second China-Afghanistan-Pakistan uh, foreign minister's trilateral dialogue took place recently, promoting regional integration. And basically, folks, what is this for? Oh, yes, one belt, one road. Basically trying to get this corridor open between Pakistan through Afghanistan, China, part of the uh, CPAC, China-Pakistan Economic Corridor, 
and now including Afghanistan. And they're even in there trying to bring about an end to the civil war between the president of Afghanistan and the Taliban. China seems to start, they're getting heavily involved in a lot of peace processes throughout the world, folks. And I would keep an eye on that because there's even been talks concerning uh, Israeli and the Palestinian negotiations and China taking those up now as well. Okay, I brought this up on air last night. I'll just touch on it again, obviously, for those that did not catch the program. Uh, We had protests strike in Iran's southern pars oil and gas refinery. Right from the National Council of Resistance of Iran, the MEK's website. Today, Thursday, January 4th, 2018, the workers and staff of the prominent Iranian oil and gas Southern Pars Refinery in southern Iran went on strike. It's notable that three days ago on Monday, January 1st, 2018, in line with the nationwide protest against Iranian regime, the headquarters of the People's Mojahedin Organization of Iran, MEK, had called for a strike in the oil industry in addition to military and ammunition production industries as a necessary and vital step to cripple the Iranian regime. Once again, when else did this happen, folks? 1978, December 4, 1978. Thousands of Iranian oil workers walked off their jobs anew today, completely shutting down the operations of two oil companies, cutting production by more than a million barrels a day and seriously threatening the already Shaw. U.S. issues new sanctions on Iran over missiles. This took place on the 5th. The president is weighing additional actions to punish the regime for its belligerent behavior and assault on its own citizens. And I think that's it for the time being. I'm going to take a breather here because if people can't tell, my throat is really messed up here. So, no, that's that's fine, Bri. Um, believe bore the brint, the blunt of um, this broadcast. That's for sure. We're down to 15 minutes. You know, Brian. Um, the next thing that Mars does is it meets up with um, Saturn in the sign of the cherub or uh, Nergal, well, Sagittarius. And uh, that occurs on April the 1st. Now, I hope everybody realizes that that was the very time that the Israeli government uh, told its Jewish citizens to leave Iran. Uh, that, that was in April 1978. We've got so much at play here. Um, it's 
absolutely off the charts how much is at play. You know, Brian just bringing up that this Saudi prince just did more arrest. You know, it it bothers me that uh, this 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 whole crackdown. I mean, it was released just last month, December sixteenth, that uh, this Saudi prince. Uh, bought the most expensive home in the world, $320 million. Um, that's just amazing. But this house is near Versailles. Uh, why would he... Want to buy this house there? I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's at play, what all is going on, but boy, everything's being set in a row. Everything's being set up strategically for a major, major upheaval um, financial upheaval a Muslim upheaval who knows what's going to happen because uh, ladies and gentlemen the Muslim world is divided in two and they regularly kill each other so where this is all going to go is really quite disturbing to me Especially after last week being sent several videos from uh, preachers that were not preaching righteousness at all. Uh, they were preaching, uh, saying that you could even commit murder and uh, still enter the kingdom of heaven. Um they were stating that, yeah, God might might judge you here on earth. You know, you might get caught, I guess. But this is a type of filth that was coming right out of their mouth. And I wonder how many of these preachers um, have actually went and got abortions. Um... Boy, you talk about needing to get your house in order. It, it just amazes me that this is going on. And it's just, uh, I guess it's just a free-for-all out there. I mean, it makes me wonder you know what it, what it's what's going on I just I can't wrap my mind around it 
everything that's currently going on. You know, I know off the top of my head, Isaiah chapter 38. Now, maybe I'll read it in the King James Version. A lot of people, um, I guess nowadays, somehow think it's more appropriate than others. In those days, Hezekiah sickened to death, and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed unto the Lord. I'm not going to. Read his prayer. I know it in Hebrew and Greek. I, I know exactly the dynamics going on, but I've, I've stated enough. Ladies and gentlemen, I think it would behoove you to put your nose to the wall and start praying. I mean, we have terms come up. Like bomb cyclone. Ladies and gentlemen, how can the barometric pressure gauge drop 53 millibars in 24 hours? Um, you know, man, Clinton got to talking the other day about these California wildfires. Um, I got sent some very strange pictures. Oh, these weren't from any news sources. These were people's personal pictures they had sent me. And they were asking me how that, that type of thing could happen because the trees still had green leaves on them between the burnt houses. And I mean between them. Uh, multiple rows. There was even entire rows of trees standing between houses that were burnt on both sides. Uh, not quite sure the physics involved with some of the pictures that I've seen. Like, uh, now, this is somebody's personal picture. They took it with their phone and sent it to me. The drivetrain of a car was gone. Um, drivetrain, I mean the transmission, the engine, the drive shaft, and the rear differentials, tires, whole nine yards. It was gone. Car was turned up over on its side. I, you know, immediately knew what must have happened. The gas tank must have blown, or perhaps the motor, at any rate. It had been ejected from the picture, so I don't know. I'm not sure how... I'm sure it was there, but it wasn't included in the picture, but 
nine feet away, all the bushes, the trees were green. There was a couple other cars that were close, and, and one was must have been what was left of a truck. But the drive shaft <coughs> had melted and bent. I mean, like I said, green foliage within 10 feet. Trees within 10 feet. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I used to work in not only factory, but that factory had its own foundry. Uh, perfect operation, actually. Um, so we would pour our own parts and then machine them. But some of the things I, some of the pictures that I looked at, um, I didn't have no physical explanation for. And I found that kind of strange. Brian, did you, have you heard anything about the California wildfire anomalies or... Uh, looked at anything down those paths? Nah. Well, I was seriously sent some strange photos. Um, I, I don't know. There might be more on the Internet, I guess. Uh, maybe some videos, whatever. But You know, ladies and gentlemen... Um, the Bible says that the ten kings will burn her because that's what God wants done. And I hope everybody realizes that the ten kings got the technology to do it. Just so you know. Well, ladies and gentlemen, um, I think I already gave my closing comments. I'm a preacher of righteousness. My name is Matthew Miller. You can write that down and publish it wherever you might like. I am not a preacher of rebellion. And You need to know that no liar is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. No murderer, no adulterer. You know, it, it, I'm immediately provoked in my spirit to go right to the end of the matter. I mean, I know where to go when talking about stuff like this. Ezekiel chapter 14. You know, there's anomalies there that I don't even think I've ever talked about before. I'm pretty sure that I've never seen anything published, at least in English, on what I know about the verses in question. About the three men there, I don't even think me and Brian have talked about it. But that's my closing thought, ladies and gentlemen. You need to stick your nose to the wall and pray.
Brian, your closing thoughts and websites, contact information, please. Well, I mean, a, a couple of little tidbits here. I mean, I kind of pointed this out, this article concerning the Arab League to lobby UN to recognize Palestinian state. Folks, you should really pay attention to the list in here. And, you know, you might want to go over and take a look at Psalm 83 again and reconsider it. By Trump making this declaration of Jerusalem being the capital, he stirred up more of a hornet's nest than I think anybody realized was coming. And this move with Jordan at the head of it, if you understand who the sons of Lot are and the Jordanians, this should really catch you off guard. And I mean, that's ultimately what it comes down to is to reiterate what Matthew is saying. If you're playing with the fire right now, folks, not wise. And, I mean, as I've learned quite emphatically and had the point pressed home in a very difficult manner this year, you might not be here the next moment. So if you think you can run around living your life like there's no tomorrow, and then suddenly... You might not lose your life. And then you've got all this nasty little dirty stuff on your hands. That's very, very... Let's see. Very dumb. Very unwise. So folks, irregardless of what's happening in the world, I would say having your house in order at all times is... Very, very wise. You can, if you want to keep track of the news stories I usually pull up during the broadcast, you can follow me. You can find me at Overt Attention Show on Twitter or at Overt Attention, I guess is the easiest way to find it. Uh, My website is OvertAttentionShow.com. If you need to contact me, you can contact me at thebandsoftime at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us, and God bless.